Greetings everyone, I am Brother Francisco Whitaker. This is All Good in the Brotherhood podcast. Joining me today, as usual, is the fantastic, the magnificent, oh, stop. the unexpected, oh, yeah. please, uh, please, and no. the extraordinarily interesting so true. Uh, brother of mine, Nathaniel. Yes, dude, let's go. Never been called Nathaniel on this before. It is my full name. It's true. Yeah, here is Nathaniel slash Nate Whitaker, as always. Um, yeah, it's, it's your boys, the Whitaker brothers. And uh, I would say happy Lent, but you're not supposed to say that during Lent. So uh, Blessed so Lent. Blessed, mournful, uh, self-flagellating Lent to all of you. <laughs> um, I hope you guys are all, are all you know, living it up um, in the most sorrowful way possible yeah real compunction we wish upon all of you exactly Uh, so yeah today we thought um we would reflect a little bit on the philosophical and theological uh undertones or basis there we go that's the word i'm looking for of lent um and also just some real life applications and to really break down what it means uh for us to celebrate the season of lent why we even do it um is christians and maybe to give you some food for thought as we're a couple weeks into Lent now, but how to really maybe make this a different Lent, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, Easter now only being a couple more weeks from now. Uh, just how could you really revitalize the rest of your Lent? So um, just to start, we thought it would be good to share a little bit about our Lenten journey, uh, what we're doing, uh, and how's it going. So, um so, Nate, uh, we are both doing uh, Exodus 90, right? Mm-hmm. So what's that entail? Yeah, Exodus 90 is a kind of Lent-centered practice that uh, developed a while ago that some guys came up with. Um, that It happens on a yearly basis. It's called Exodus 90. It's, it's actually 90 days, whereas Lent's actually only 40. But this starts uh, 50 days before Lent. But like Lent, it leads up to Easter. Yeah. It's basically a... Um, sort of a, a regimented lifestyle rooted in mainly prayer and uh, and mortification, so just kind of physical sufferings that you, you, you put yourself through or just things that you decide to go without, sort of mm-hmm. things that you would normally enjoy that you give up, um, just to kind of prepare yourself for Easter so that when you get to the Feast of Easter, you can really enjoy it all the more, and it's all the more special. And it's not just that, um, but it's also this the Exodus 90 um, has a lot of wonderful... I guess, um, power to, um, build you up, uh, spiritually and psychologically and kind of, um, strengthen, uh, the spiritual life so that, uh, so, so t- to sp- stop speaking in abstractions, I also give some, some examples. Um, one of the things that goes along with the Exodus 90, uh, regiment, if you will, a regimen is, uh, working out a few times a week. So that's a really important thing for, especially you guys who maybe that's, that's not, currently the, the way they live it's it's one thing to just kind of uh push your body through physical discipline another thing is doing cold showers which is really for me Ugh, the hardest yeah. thing and that's that that's really blows it totally blows it's i think mentally the most challenging part um then there's also on the spiritual side of things there's uh prayer you're supposed to do prayer each day oh, well holy hour every day a holy hour every day right and there's the reflections that they have you read you kind of walk through the book of exodus at, like the wandering in the desert specifically of exodus and numbers mm-hmm. um as a reminder of 
the desert that Christ was in, but also kind of the desert of what doing these practices right. feels like. What Lent is supposed to be is kind of putting ourselves through a mini desert right. in preparation for the oasis of Easter. Right. So other things that we do uh, is not eating meat on Wednesdays and uh, like Fridays and Wednesdays, mm-hmm. um, not eating between meals at all. Passing up on sweets. So. No alcohol. Right. Um, not using uh, electronic media for anything other than school. Right. Not supposed to listen to non-Christian uh, or religious music, which honestly, that's that's something I definitely am not very that's good at keeping to. Especially for um, workouts, when you're yeah, supposed to exactly. do workouts, but then you can't listen to... Well, uh, if you listen to Seventh Day Slumber covers of Christian music, they're pretty... They're pretty hype, yeah, solid, as, so. as Christian fans So we're, d- we're both doing that in our separate places, at Nate at TAC and uh, me at St. Vincent. Right. Um, but... And we do it with a group. You don't just do it by yourself. You do right. it with a group of guys because you got to support each other mm-hmm. through it. Um, on top of that, though, um, something that's not required by Exodus, but I've been trying to do, uh, missed it maybe once or twice, but trying to uh, sleep on the floor at least oh at least once a week. Um, How does that go? Well, so that's the thing is like, like what's the threshold of what it means to actually sleep on the floor? Because like for like put like two blankets down on top of my carpet and then sleep mm-hmm. and it's like almost like too comfortable i feel like so yeah but i'm like working my way down like, i so started with floor like before actually it was well, like it was amazing yeah I, I made that like a whole bed basically. yeah but so i'm trying to like i start with it like pretty comfortable and then the next time i do it like a little less comfortable and so i'm hoping by holy week to pretty much just sleep on the ground completely dang that's so, intense um are you and- doing anything like extra on top of, I mean, Exodus ninety is just a lot. So. Yeah, even like because well, even when I was listing the ones, I, I kind of wasn't going uh, through an exhaustive list, and you, you covered more. But there's still like there's just a lot of different stuff that goes in Exodus ninety. So I'm not really doing anything particularly extra. Um, in fact, I'm passing up on one of the Exodus ninety practices of uh, basically you're trying to eat not a whole lot of food in general is one of the things you're yeah. reducing your diet. But um, for me, it's just. I, I tend towards being on the underweight side of things or, yeah. or just a, a little bit on the skinnier side. So I'm, I don't think it would be healthy combining it with, um, like, you Exercise. know, trying to work out on a regular yeah, basis. For sure. So, um, so yeah, no, I'm not really doing anything particularly extra. And, and again, the point of these fasts isn't just, oh, who can do the most or who can do the most intense one. Oh, it's it's not supposed to be a self comparison thing. It's yeah, it's really exactly. up to the individual and it's for the individual. It's it's not like, oh my gosh. So and so is just fasting from sweets, but uh, their friend is fasting from sweets and uh, alcohol and this and that and all these things. Like that's way more intense and, and ba- like really awesome. Um, but that's not the point. It's not about yeah. comparison. It's really about whatever you can recognize is going to be something that will lead you towards uh, Christ in a simple way and kind of rid your life of distractions that tend to uh, draw you away from Christ and draw you away from a uh, spiritual focus, that's what you need to commit to. So yeah. for some people, Exodus 90 actually is a bad way to go, you know, yeah, uh, or certain yeah, practices are a bad way much. to go. Cause yeah, some people get, after a few weeks of cold showers and not enough food, you get irritated Very. and it causes you to be, um, unkind to people, which is, is defeating the purpose. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really just an up to the individual, but just to get a sense of what kind of stuff goes into Lent for those who, who maybe themselves, for any of our listeners who maybe uh, don't practice Lent themselves, it's just we're just giving some examples, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then to go into to Lent more specifically, um, it's a season of the church calendar year, 
um, that takes place over a period of 40 days leading up to Easter. So it's supposed to reflect the 40 days of Christ being tempted in the desert. Right. He was alone, um, really to just fast and pray. Right. Also, Moses in the Old Testament, before he received the law of God, um, went up to the mountain to fast and to pray for 40 days. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this, and the mountain he was at was in the middle of a desert. Right. Um, so kind of the symbolism is in preparation for a great work, so for Moses receiving the law of God, or for Jesus beginning his ministry, mm-hmm. before preparing for a great work, they fast and pray. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we celebrate the great uh, mystery and the great feast of Easter, we also need to fast and pray so that our celebration is even more meaningful right. uh, and is even more powerful. Because if we didn't really do anything different with our life before like something amazing happens, it doesn't feel as amazing. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like the spiritual, uh, like, I don't know, like training ground. You know, like you were talking about working out. Like mm-hmm. this is almost like the spiritual workout right. in preparation for, oh, this is like noticing the gains that you actually have at the exactly. end of your workouts. Exactly. Um, so, and again, not for glory for yourself, but just because it, it makes your life happier and it, it brings you closer to God. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's really important to think of it that way as, as something that is not kind of an end in itself, but it's, it's preparing us for the greater end of the, uh, of Easter. And I love how you compared it to Moses and Jesus. Cause I just think a parallel between those two, Moses fasted for 40 days and then he received the old law. The, yeah. the 10 commandments were inscribed. Uh, it was at least the, the first foundations of the old law. And then Jesus, um, fasted for 40 days. And then it was right after that, he went into his public ministry and began to preach kind of the, the rules of the new law, you mm-hmm. know, his, his law rooted in love. And really what we're doing when we pass for these 40 days is to, bring ourselves back into the focus of that new law of mm. on an individual yeah, basis yeah. to recognize the law of love of, of Christ and, and, you know, the challenges that go with that, because we're, we're trying to make our lives for 40 days a little bit more difficult than they were before for the sake of training ourselves like a workout. And it's really to unite ourselves with Christ and, and kind of bring ourselves back in alignment if we've strayed um, with his message. Yeah, no, I actually really like that. Uh, and the Israelites wandered through the desert for 40 years before they right. received the promised land. And that was all so that they would become more and con- more in conform with the law that God had given them. Mm-hmm. So we actually need these periods of, I suppose, struggle, some kind of suffering maybe, but of difficulty um, in order to get like a spiritual shot in the arm, right. basically, to, to, to set us on track. Right, so there's a lot of precedent in the scriptures for yeah. kind of symbolism representing Lent. And and really just the spirit of Lent is kind of a, a a religious or spiritual way of saying no pain, no gain. Yeah. You have to go through a season of pain if you really want to reach the gains. And at the same time, like you said before, um, if we've strayed, this is a really good time to come back. This is a time to remember like the places and, and really work on getting back to our relationship with mm-hmm. God. Because I... Certainly there's times over the course of the year we might maybe before we go to confession or we're just more aware at di- like on occasion of like our sinfulness or how far we actually have drifted. But having a whole season where of penitence, like remembering, mm-hmm. okay, yes, I'm a sinner. Not that we have to ref- just focus on the we're fact beating that we're ourselves sinners, up. but like, yes, I'm a sinner. I've strayed this far. So I want to spend these next 40 days being really intentional Absolutely. so that when Easter comes, 
I have a stronger relationship so that the joy of Easter is more powerful. Right. Um, but I want to uh, look into Lent is primarily focused on the th- three things, right? Uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Yeah. Which we kind of talked a little bit about prayer and fasting, but right. looking more specifically, um, just what is it uh, that Lent is trying to cultivate in us with those things uh, and how are we supposed to, I suppose, integrate those three tenets, not just in our life at Lent, but how is Lent supposed to be, like you said, a training ground or like the putting in the work now. Um, what we do in Lent is not supposed to just stay in Lent, like encased in this 140-day period out of the year, but mm-hmm. it's supposed to actually then go forward into the rest of the year. What are those three things doing for us, and why is it important that we focus on these three things during Lent? Yeah. Um, well, I guess just practically speaking, each of those three, while they go so harmoniously together, completes kind of a different um, or serves a different purpose because the prayer is something really interior. As Jesus told us, we're supposed to pray um, in our room kind of with the door locked. It's not, yeah. not necessarily supposed to always be this public thing. So the, the prayer, especially in Lent, is a very personal, private kind of understanding of prayer and an awareness of God's presence. So it's, I think it's supposed to touch us in our souls on a very personal level and kind of rid it's, it's, you know, prayer involves a turning of the mind towards God, yeah. which means also then a turning away from all the distractions that we normally put in the place of God. So throughout the year, we get distracted with all the busyness, but Lent is really to take our minds and by means of prayer, focus them in on God. And then with fasting, it's similar, but instead of it being our soul or, or our mind, I think it's doing the same thing with our body. Okay. We, we uh, form yeah. throughout the year and just in normal life, these kind of bodily dependencies on um, certain forms of satisfaction mm-hmm. that we, we, we don't worship them, of course, but they can kind of uh, become so much a dependency or so much a, a personal love of ours that um, they become just a distraction in the sort of singular love we ought to have for God. For example, hot showers. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. know there's a phase in my life where there was nothing better, nothing more I look forward to <laughs> than just, you know, Dude, it was after a workout or just after a long day, just going in the shower. I found, figured out this perfect position. I would, like, stand with the water on my back and just turn on the hottest water possible. Uh, and just stand and there And you just forever. stand there for 40 minutes. And, and it became a sort of <laughs> idol, you know? Like, it, yeah. like, I would be more excited for that than I would for getting to go to church or getting to pray to hmm. the God who loves me more than anyone. Yeah. You know, so it became sort of a an idol in a way. And so the fasting is a way of ridding ourselves, kind of cleaning out um, the all the clutter that we built up of these dependencies on, whether it's hot showers or whether we just love sweets and we need to let, let go of that for a while or whether we just are reliant on that dopamine hit of checking YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we just need to cut that out of our lives. It's kind of a, a physical way of or a bodily way of um, freeing up space in our in ourselves for God. So, the, again, the, the prayer focusing on the the mind, and then the, the fasting kind of focusing on freeing up the body. Um, almsgiving, though, is the, whereas those first two seem really personal to me, like up, up to the individual. Almsgiving seems like um, it's a turning outwards. So it's focusing yeah. on the people around you and those who are in need and trying to help them. But I guess what what would you say about almsgiving fitting in with the other three? Um, or with the other two. So. The other, yeah, so I was thinking a little bit about, so we the order w- when we portray these things often is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. But I think the order should actually be fasting, prayer, almsgiving. Hmm. So yeah. th- why do we fast is to 
rid ourselves of these things that are demanding, we have let demand our attention and our energy and our focus, not so that we just have this nebulous period of free time anymore, uh, but that we actually do something active with it. Mm -hmm. So um, I give up watching extra YouTube videos or, um, you know, people's like, oh, we give up sweets. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're giving it up, you like you might not think about this, but right. it takes a couple minutes to eat a cookie mm-hmm. um, or, it, you know, how many hundreds of minutes are wasted on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or whatever every week. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok, probably more these right. days. Just yeah, scroll. Sure. Just got to watch that next reel, you know. Um, but if we rid ourselves of that time wasted, we should fill it with time with mm-hmm. God. So the reason we're training our body is so that it's disposed to be trained for the spirit. Absolutely. And then, my in my opinion, almsgiving becomes the fruit of productive prayer. Mm-hmm. So by fasting, we open up ourselves to time to pray. And when we pray, we open up our, for ourselves time to give to others. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, physically giving to others, spiritually giving to others. Um, I think almsgiving, certainly for our generation... Uh, and for a lot of people, uh, we always think about like, oh, just putting more money in the collection basket or mm-hmm. um, donating to X, Y, and Z, which is good. Um, but we need to be almost giving with our time, yeah. um, which is another thing that fasting helps with. Mm-hmm. So that if we're not spending so much time on ourselves and we're giving up things that are really self-focused, like you said, almost giving being other person focused, if we spend less time on ourselves, then we can do more almsgiving, right. whether it's actually going out and giving money or working for some kind of volunteer mm-hmm. group or just spending time. Those who are poor, like we talked about poverty relation, those who are poor don't necessarily always have to be poor mm-hmm. in their material wealth. Mm-hmm. People you know who are poor for friends, they're just lonely. Spend mm-hmm. time with them. That's the way you can give alms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're connected in basically just like time. Yeah, So or in order of yeah. how, how they come to be. Yeah, but I mean, like, just in, like, re- respect to time. Yeah. So fasting is, like, taking away that which we have given priority to our time and recentering it back on God. And when we recenter it back on God in prayer, mm-hmm. the fruit of that prayer is to then give the other time we have for other people mm-hmm. and not to focus it on ourselves. Yeah. It, this maybe sound a little weird, but I, I, I kind of just thought of an analogy the way you're describing that. If you were to imagine uh, your own kind of heart or your soul as, a, as like, a house or a household... Yeah. There's all this clutter that we gain throughout the year of just these distractions. And we need to do spring cleaning, which is funny because, yeah. you know, Lent is in spring. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, you kind of do. You need to do spring cleaning, which happens in the form of um, fasting. And then after that, through prayer, we invite um, the greatest guest of all, God, into mm. our house, which he couldn't have necessarily fit in there with all the clutter we had. Yeah. So we, we clear it out, and then we invite him in, and now he's in our house, and he, we allow him to be the leader of the household. And once that's in place, then the household is stronger because it has a good leader and it can go out and help all the other kind of neighbors in the community, you know, and, and that happens on a, on a personal basis. We, we got to clear out and do spring cleaning of the distractions in our lives. And then, like you said, then we in, in the space that we've freed up, then we use that um, towards the spiritual life and developing prayer. And but once we do that, once we have a strong personal um, foundation in that, yeah. then it's just naturally going to lend itself to taking care of others. And I actually, that's a great analogy because in the monastery, um, the prior sends out like a letter every year about like 
recommendations for Lenten practice. And, like, the community as a whole, like, as a monastery, we agree to certain, like, community penances. Right. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But one of them, the, but the prior sends out a letter that, like, he recommends, like, certain ones that we do, too. And one of them is, like, a spring cleaning. Like, mm. in for Lent, that you reassess what you have in your room, what do you really need. In a need. physical way. Yeah. Like a literal. What do you really need and what don't you? Because whatever, in the monastery, you know, we each only have one room, like, one small cell. Yeah, but you can so pack a lot in that room. You better believe, and people do. Um, so it's really important to remember that these places that are cells, that's what we call them, are supposed to be also places of prayer. They're supposed to be like extensions mm-hmm. of our basilica or of our church. Mm-hmm. So if we're distracted in our own room from turning to God, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So we need to clean out, just like you were saying, those right. things in our rooms that aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, but the important thing is if we clean our room out and we put – you know, we either donate them or we put them in our beggar's bench. I think I've talked to you about that before. You know, that yeah. communal place we have where if monks don't want anything anymore but they're still useful or they're still good, we put them there that we can use. Someone else can go pick it up kind if they need it. Yeah, it's like else. a monastery in-house thrift store for free. <laughs> um, but we don't put – I don't put something on the beggar's bench at the beginning of the semester – or the beginning of Lent, sorry um, – and then at the end of Lent, go and get it again. Right. The whole point is that when I give it up at Lent, it's to give up for the rest of my life, for right. the rest of my time. And that's what Benedict, in his rule, he actually has chapters in the rule about really? Lent, hmm. about how, how monks are supposed to practice Lent, da-da-da. Uh, he says that a monk's life should be a continuous Lent. That's so really it's not just a point in the calendar year. Uh, it's actually a, a disposition a disposition that's important that we have the whole time, which is that I constantly need to be purging myself of those things that are distracting me from my relationship with God and my brothers. Um, so and this Lenten lifestyle is not just meant to be a performance we put on for 40 days exactly. out of the year and then forget about it for the other 325 days out of the year. Yeah, because, you know, people um, who, like, they give up, like, oh, we're giving up sweets. Like, that's awesome. But when you go back, yeah, at Easter you should – you know, party, Jesus has risen. Yeah, you should have cake and wine and whatever. They got a little bit. Um, but are you going back exactly to your same level of consumption of junk food? Right. Are you going back to your same level of consumption of Hulu and Disney Plus and all of those things? If so, then what did Lent teach you? Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of seemed like 40 days of misery that you put yourself through for yeah. no reason. Um, whereas Maybe you can go back to them to some level, but they shouldn't be the same as it was before Lent. Um, and same with prayer. You don't take on an extra 30 minutes of prayer during Lent, mm-hmm. and then when Lent's over, like, well, Jesus, don't need you for the rest of the year. Right. That should be your basis then for the rest of the year. Like, if you make Lenten practice of praying 15 minutes a day, mm-hmm. then once Lent's over, that 15 minutes should always remain part of your day. Right. And that's what Exodus 90 is actually, the whole point of it is, is to get you into these habits mm-hmm. so that when the 90 days are over, some of them you might not go back to to some extent, but like, right. you're hopefully, you don't give up that holy hour that you've committed to right. for the last three months. You and I know for me... walk out of Lent completely unchanged. You exactly. should walk out changed. And I know for me, for the last time I did Exodus 90 when I was in college, um, like after finishing it, like sweets just had it, it like, and junk food. Oh, they... Just, like, they just didn't seem appealing There's to no me appeal. anymore. Uh, holy hours were solidified in my day, and it was mm-hmm. non-negotiable. That's Working good. out was much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's why Benedict wants monks to have a continuous Lent. And in fact, I think my vow that I take of conversatio is basically a vow of living at Lent for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And of this constantly renewing myself uh, in a way to draw closer to Christ in my prayer and in through my brothers. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I already brought up one analogy, sorry, but the, the way you describe that made me think of another one. If you were to think of like gardening, um, like weeding, <laughs> we our mom had a garden when we were kids and weeding was the most... Uh, Ugh, well, it wasn't yeah. the the worst. I think the, was, the worst uh, thing we would ever have to do was, was raking. We we never liked that. But but weeding was a close second. Yeah. So like weeding, you don't really enjoy it. it it's painful at, at first. It, you can kind of get into a rhythm, but in general, no kid really wants to go weeding. But um, you got to do weeding when say you have a, a a little flower that's just kind of in its youth and it's not developed yet. You got to weed. Um, so that it can not be held down by the, those weeds, and so that then after it, the area around it is all weeded well, it, it can have the opportunity to grow and become this this stronger, more beautiful flower. Yeah. But then after it's grown stronger, uh, again with the help of the weeds being cleared out of the way, you don't just want to let the weed like okay now we're gonna let weeds come back, because yeah. then the flower is still gonna get choked and strangled, and the life is gonna going to leave it leave it. So in the same way, if you have these distractions or this clutter that you've cleared out of your life in Lent, and you're like, great, so I, I did that not just for its own sake, but so that I could become a, a stronger um, person in in the spiritual realm and in even in your daily discipline, you don't then want to just go, okay, well, now that Lent is over, it's Easter, I'm just going to go, like you said, right back into those same habits because guess what? Uh, you should be changed and you should be changed in some way permanently. And you shouldn't just go back to the same old, um, old wine skins to use like a a biblical term because you're you're supposed to be new wine. It goes into new wine skins. You're, you're a new man and you should have a new lifestyle in accord with kind of the, the new spiritual growth, hopefully that you've had the opportunity to gain in the Lent. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's specifically like fasting and prayer, but also looking at the third, tenant of Lent almsgiving that when we finish Lent we should still have a community driven desire that whether it's spending time with other people or still desiring to help the poor whatever Mm -hmm. it is um, we don't want to just check the box of well I I help people during Lent so that's good brothers and sisters are in need all throughout the year Mm -hmm. and maybe there's times where we're not as suited to help other people and that's okay But if it's within our power, within our um, situation to help others, we need, to, and it certainly is always in our situation to give time to other people. Right. Time is both something that everyone has, but something that no one wants to give. Absolutely. Um, so, especially in a very busy culture that we live in, and you know, the monastery, as prayerful as we can be at times, we're also still a very, very busy group. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes time is the last thing I want to give other people because I want me time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Jesus didn't. Uh, Jesus had me time, but it was only when he needed to pray. Yeah. So if I say oh, I need me time, it should be when I'm in front of Jesus in the tabernacle, so true. and not when I want to be in front of my TV screen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and one might ask though. Okay, with with this idea that you want to have a changed lifestyle after Lent, not just be the same old person. You might ask then, well, why isn't Lent sort of a, uh, a spiritual state we should keep all year round? Like you said, in the monks, yeah, uh, the monastic life, it kind of is that way, that you are supposed to keep a, a Lenten mentality mm-hmm. throughout the year. So why wouldn't all Christians just want to 
really focus with equal um, attention throughout the whole year on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? Why is there a special season just for that? Uh, I honestly am not sure which, if like, you're looking for a specific answer. Yeah. I think the answer should be that Christians should give as much time and attention. Mm-hmm. I think the thing is that like just the church recognizes like we ne- don't necessarily, so we need to. Mm-hmm. But I think specifically in preparation for Easter, like Easter is the greatest mystery that Christ has defeated sin and death right. true. and that his rising from the dead is the greatest thing that has ever occurred in history. Mm-hmm. Then in order to prepare ourselves to receive and experience that as powerfully and amazingly as he desires us mm-hmm. to, then setting up Lent as the period of preparation for that mystery mm-hmm. is why we have it as a special season. Right. There's still mentalities and uh, the spirit of Lent is something that we should carry along the whole of our life and the whole rest of the year. But we specifically has it as the season, at least in my opinion, because of the greatness of the level of Easter. That makes sense. And I mean, Christianity is a practical religion. Yeah. Like it, it embraces human beings as they naturally are, not just yeah. in an idealized form. Yeah. So it, it seems to me also going along with what you're saying, um, additionally, the church takes into account the fact that we can more easily commit to some zeal or kind of a revitalization of how our life should be when there's a particular event yeah. or a, a 40-day stint that we're supposed to focus on, exactly. and it's to get us back on track. Whereas if we just, throughout the whole year, we're like, oh, yeah, every year is kind, like kind of Lent mentality all year round, we wouldn't be able to stick with it. And also, we, we just wouldn't think of it. There would be nothing That's special true. about it. Yeah. There's something special about it, just like... Um, just like with sports seasons, you know, there, there's certain times of year that focus on this or that sport, and in, in, and even in the nat- nature, you see the seasons of spring and summer and fall, and they're all beautiful. But you need this or that to for, to kind of focus yourself on this or that quality of life. And so with Lent, if we had it all year round, there wouldn't be anything special, and we would probably lose our zeal pretty fast. But the church, in its wisdom, knows, yeah, okay, we're going to exactly. make a special season just for that so people get reminded of the things they kind of should be doing all year, but they get reminded in a very concrete way because there's these 40 days just dedicated for that. Yeah, that makes sense. So if for all of you who are listening, maybe your Lent hasn't gone quite the way you've wanted it to or you're kind of convicted now to maybe make it a little bit more challenging or a little bit more meaningful um, in these last couple of weeks I uh, just encourage you to really buckle down in your Lenten penances and practices um, or to maybe add maybe uh, a couple extra couple of things in these last couple of weeks whatever it is um, if you want to have an amazing Easter have an intentional Lent so true um, because we experience as St. Paul says uh, where sin abounds grace abounds more mm-hmm. um, well where suffering abounds, like on the cross, a glory abounds all the more. So if we have a little bit of penitence now um, in Lent, the glory of the resurrection and the power of God's mercy seen through uh, Christ defeating death on the cross and rising over sin and death uh, from the grave at the resurrection will, I think, be more powerful and meaningful for us. Absolutely, yeah. It's that contrast that you get between the dark and the light. So we need we need to have a phase where we're acknowledging the dark so that we can appreciate the light all the more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, we hope that everyone uh, continues to have a blessed uh, Lent. May the Lord be with you, and uh, uh, yeah, just keep on keeping on. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great one, and God bless.